Isn't it intolerant to say that Jesus is the only way to God? That is certainly not a politically correct thing to say, but is it true? This is Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin. Pat is an author, speaker, Christian apologist, and scholar, and he's going to examine the claims of Christ today in a pluralistic society. Is Jesus the only way to God? Go to our website, evidenceandanswers.org, for great resources on defending your faith and presenting the accurate claims of Jesus Christ. This is a live lecture that Pat delivered in Hawaii, and we're going to go to that right now on Evidence and Answers. Aloha. Or as we say in Texas, howdy, y'all. <laughs> anyway, it's always good to be back home here in Hawaii where I grew up and... Uh, a lot of you here at Kalihi Union invest a lot of uh, yourselves in the work that God has called me to throughout the world, um, presenting the powerful and compelling evidence for Jesus Christ. So it's a privilege for me to serve alongside your pastoral staff and to serve here whenever I'm back in town to a church and a group of people who have invested so much and enabled me to do what I do throughout the world following Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. You know, growing up in Hawaii, we're exposed to numerous religions. The Hawaiian religions, many of us grew up um, learning about Buddhism and Shinto, and along with Christianity, we are exposed to numerous kinds of religions here. In fact, at birth, many of us are blessed at the Shinto shrine. When we need protection from the night marchers or the spirits here, uh, many of us will call the kahuna. And then when we get married, we get married in a Christian church. And at death, sometimes we have a Buddhist funeral. Kind of have it all, chop suey kind of religion. In fact, I was just attending a friend's wedding not too long ago. And the person who performed the ceremony was a woman who was an ordained minister in the Methodist church but also a feng shui instructor on TV and instructor of Buddhist meditation at the Chinese Buddhist temple downtown. So there is a pervasive idea throughout our culture today that all religions are essentially the same. They're all teaching the same thing. It really doesn't matter what you believe. All roads eventually lead to heaven or some kind of heaven. This belief that all religions are equal and valid ways to God is called pluralism. Pluralism teaches that all religions are essentially the same. If you boil it down to our core beliefs, they're essentially the same. You may call God Buddha, Allah, whatever, you know, we call him uh, God or Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. Uh, we're all worshiping the same thing. Essentially, all religions are the same. The differences are simply minor and superficial. And pluralism, this idea of pluralism, represents one of the great challenges that we face today as Christians. If you go out there in our culture today and say there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ, that instills a lot of animosity towards you. It's not a very well-liked message. When I was speaking on the university campuses throughout the United States, uh, when I would teach the seminar, Is Jesus the Only Way to God? 20 years ago, I'd get maybe a dozen students or whatever to show up. Now when I teach that seminar, man, the room is packed. It is packed, and you can sense the tension in that room. And often when we're done, people are ready to stone me, you know, for, for the message I'm presenting. 
in the last George Barna survey, he's a Christian sociologist, he said 44% of Americans believe that the Bible, the Quran, and the Book of Mormon are all different expressions of the same spiritual truth. When it comes to Christians, we didn't do much better. Nearly 40% agreed that the Bible, the Quran, and the Book of Mormon are different expressions of the same spiritual truth. Religious pluralism then represents one of the dominant ideas of our culture today and it presents one of the major challenges that the Church of Jesus Christ faces today. And although pluralism may be an attractive idea in our postmodern culture, there are several good reasons why we should reject the teaching of religious pluralism. Number one, pluralism should be rejected because basic logic, basic reasoning, common sense reasons against it. Now, there is a basic law here we call a first principle. Don't be intimidated by this because we use this law all the time. It's the foundation for thinking, for communicating, for mathematics, you name it. We use this law all the time. It's called Aristotle's law of non-contradiction. And it simply states this, two opposite statements cannot be true at the same time in the same sense. It is impossible to say God exists and God doesn't exist and both statements be true at the same time in the same way. That's common sense. That's the law of non-contradiction. You can't say I am alive today but I am also dead today and both statements be true at the same time. Opposites cannot be true at the same time in the same way. This is a basic fundamental law of logic that we use every single day. Every culture in the world uses this. You cannot even have a coherent sentence without applying this law. You cannot communicate without applying this law. If you tried to talk to me and I kept contradicting myself, you would think, I've lost my mind. If you came to me today and said, Pat, did you preach at Kalihi Union today? And I said, yeah, I preached at Kalihi Union, but I didn't preach. Oh, uh, can we have the sermon notes? Yes, you can have the sermon notes, but you can't have the sermon notes. Did you make sermon notes? Yeah, I made sermon notes, but I didn't make sermon notes. Hey, you can't even communicate uh, without using the law of non-contradiction. And that's the nature of truth. Truth is narrow. Truth is exclusive. Because truth excludes its opposite. Okay? 2 plus 2 equals 4. It can't equal 5, 6, 7, or 8. Truth is narrow. Truth is exclusive. When you go to the pharmacist and he gives you your prescription, you better hope he has a narrow view of truth. You know, the medicine he gives you better be correct. And the dosage he tells you to take better be the right dosage. He better not come along and say, well, whatever you want to believe is fine. Take one pill. Take ten. Take as much as you want. You know, five grams. Ten. Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter. Truth matters. Truth is narrow. Truth is exclusive. We are created in the image of God and we are designed to reject contradiction. We know that they are false. That's common sense. Okay? We all got it? Aristotle's law of non-contradiction. Now, since all religions present contradictory truth claims, they cannot all be true at the same time. 
Okay? Let's boil it down to it's very basic and see if we're all saying the same thing or we're saying contradictory things. Okay, let's take a look at what some of the religions teach regarding the nature of God. When you look at the nature of God or the doctrine of God, if you look at Buddhism, okay, Buddhism says very little about God. In fact, God doesn't play a big role in Buddhism. Uh, if you go to Southern, Southeast Asia, Southern Buddhism, what you see here is Northern Buddhism. Okay? It's a mix of the Japanese gods and the Chinese gods and all that. They've mixed it all up. Original Buddhism okay, is really an atheistic ethical system. Zen Buddhism, okay? they're atheists because Buddhists is very little, if anything, about the divine in his system. So if you go to Southeast Asia, Thai Buddhism, they're atheists. Okay? God does not exist. Hinduism. Behind all the thousands of God, gods in Hinduism, there is the one, Brahma, the divine, the one. He is not a person. He is a force. He is the universe. Okay? God, uh, Brahma is the universe, and the universe is Brahma. Everything in the universe makes up Brahma. You're a part of Brahma. I'm a part of Brahma. Brahma is like this great ocean, and we're all drops in that ocean. He's not a person. He's a force. He's the one. He's a non-person. Mormonism, Shinto, animism, they're polytheists. Okay? They are, there are many gods. Many of them are like human beings. All right? They're temperamental. Okay? Uh, they're limited. They're not infinite. Islam. Does Islam worship the same god as Christians? No, they do not. They're called unified monotheists. There is one god, Allah is his name to associate anyone or anything with Allah. You've committed shirk, the unpardonable sin of blasphemy worthy of death. So to say God has a son, you've committed shirk, the unpardonable sin of blasphemy. We Christians are Trinitarian monotheists. We believe in the Trinity. There's one God revealed in three distinct persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is absolute blasphemy in Islam, worthy of death. Okay? Now take a look. Are we all saying the same thing? Can we say there is a God and there is not a God and we're both correct? Can we say that God is a non-person and a person and both be correct? Can we say Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God and that is true but it's also blasphemy worthy of death? Are we all saying the same thing regarding God? I don't think so. Here's another one. What about the doctrine of salvation? All other religions teach one must work and earn their salvation. Buddhism taught that we must believe in the Four Noble Truths and then follow the Eightfold Path. And under each of the eight points are numerous, numerous rules and regulations to follow. Then you can break the cycle of reincarnation and enter into nirvana, nothingness. Hinduism teaches that there are about three ways to salvation, way of good works, the way of attaining knowledge of the divine, or meditation, alter, altering your consciousness so that you can attain unity with the one. Islam teaches that a man must obey the five pillars of Islam, and there's an angel on his left and an angel on his right. One records his good deeds, one records his bad deeds, and on judgment day the books are open, and according to Allah's mercy, he will be judged, and a man may be allowed into Islamic paradise where he will have numerous virgins whom he can take, as many as he wants for his wife. There he'll be drinking wine and reclining on couches. 
Or if Allah is not merciful, Allah can send him into hell, either for eternity or for a time. And Christianity, the Bible teaches that we are saved by grace through faith. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. There's nothing you can do. Your good works are going to fall way, way short. All you can do is receive the gift that God has given you. The death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, and to believe that Jesus Christ is the divine son of God and ask him to be your personal savior. All you can do is receive from God. All the other religions teach that I must work and try to give something worthy of God so I can get into eternal life. Are we saying the same thing regarding salvation? Can we say that you must work and earn your salvation and hope you get in? Or you can't do anything to earn your salvation. All you can do is receive the gift of God. Are we saying the same thing here? No, we're saying quite the opposite, aren't we? Let's move to the next one. Eternity. What happens after death? Buddhism and Hinduism teaches you're in an endless cycle of reincarnation. What you are in your next life depends on, what you, on your good karma you develop in this life. And this cycle of reincarnation can go on for eons, millions and millions and millions of years until you finally break the cycle of reincarnation and become one with the divine. Okay, the body here is not good. And that's why you cremate the body at death. It traps the real you. The real you wants to be one, be absorbed into the one. Or in Buddhism, enter nirvana, nothingness, no desire, extinction. Right? But you're in an endless cycle of reincarnation until you break that cycle and become one with the divine. Okay, reincarnation is not good. You don't want to be reincarnated in true Buddhism or Hinduism. Islam. Islam teaches that the man will be judged on judgment day and if they have enough good works and Allah is merciful, he will allow men into Islamic paradise. What does the Bible teach? Well, Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed for each man and woman to die once, then comes the judgment. Your eternal destiny is determined, what? At death. There's no second chance. There's no reincarnation. Right? Your eternal destiny is sealed by the decision you make now. So are we saying the same thing here? Are we in an endless cycle of reincarnation that goes on for millions of years till we get it right? Or is it you die once, then comes the judgment? Which one is it? Now just take a look at some of those four basic, basic core teachings in the world religions and ask yourself, are we all teaching the same thing? If you take a look, we are teaching different things. In fact, each religion presents contradictory claims and therefore they cannot all be true at the same time. And remember, contradiction is a sign of error. In Aristotle's law of non-contradiction, opposites cannot be true at the same time in the same way. Since all religions present contradictory truth claims, okay, or they are mutually exclusive, they cannot all be true at the same time. Right? Now, there are some people who wish to reject Aristotle's law of non-contradiction. Well, a great Muslim philosopher named Avicenna said this about those who want to reject this law of non-contradiction. Avicenna stated this, anyone who denies the law of non-contradiction should be beaten and burned until he admits that to be beaten is not the same as not to be beaten and to be burned is not the same as not to be burned. Okay? A little extreme, but you get the point. It's impossible to say that all religions teach the same thing and they're all correct at the same time 
since they are contradictory at the very basic level. Logic, basic logic, reasons against pluralism. The second reason we reject pluralism is because Jesus taught against pluralism. He says in John 14, 6 here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is not a way-shower, as Buddha claimed of himself. Jesus is literally the way, because he is the embodiment of truth. He is the very source of life. The way to God in eternal life is not knowledge. It's not good works. It's not church membership. The way is a person having a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God. There's a story of men traveling through the Saudi Arabian desert, and as they got to the desert, they saw sand and dunes on the right, sand and dunes for as far as they could see on the left and before them. They knew once they get in the middle of this trek, they are totally lost because everything looks the same. That's how it is in Texas. You know, everything is flat. Everything looks the same. There's no mountain. You can't say, hey, go towards the mountains or whatever. You know, out there, I'm always getting lost. And so they looked at their guide and say, how will we ever find our way through this desert? Everything looks the same. And the Arabian guide looked at his traveling friends and he said, I am your way. And if you lose me, you lose your life. Literally, I am your way. And that's what Jesus said. He is the way. He is the way because he is the embodiment of truth and life. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. He is the supreme revelation of God. He is the divine incarnation of God. He lived a sinless life of truth. No other man can make those kinds of claims. And Jesus says, I am the life. He is the source of life. He says in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the victor over death. He's the giver of eternal life. Jesus Christ, if you read in Colossians chapter 1, was involved in the creation of the universe. Jesus literally is life in and of himself. Unlike any other religious leader, he's the only one who can make that claim, and he confirmed his claim through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. No other religious leader confirmed their claim in such a manner. The Gospels are a very accurate historical work. If you do some simple research, you will discover, and time doesn't allow me to go into all the evidence, they're a very accurate historical work written by first century eyewitnesses have been confirmed through the evidence that we have to be a very accurate historical work. And they tell the story of Jesus Christ who lived a miraculous, sinless life, who died and rose again, confirming all that he said about himself. And Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. No one else has the qualifications to make this statement. Christianity is not one religion amongst many from which one can choose. All religions are ineffective in bringing sinful men and women into the very presence of heaven where sin does not exist. And pluralism should also be rejected because the apostles who followed Jesus Christ also taught against it. In Acts 4.12, as Peter's preaching, he says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven which uh, given to men by which we must be saved. The apostles taught against it. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Peter says, For there is one God and only one, one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. The ap apostles taught 
that there is only one way to eternal life. And the missionary zeal of the apostles, they traveled throughout the world and died bringing the message of Jesus Christ to the world. Why would they do that if there were other ways to eternal life? Why that urgency? Why that need to go out into the world and preach if there's other ways to heaven? The reason is there isn't any. There's only one way to eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ. Now, when I'm speaking on this message, there's an inevitable question that's always asked, and that's our final point here. What about those who've never heard the gospel? What about those who never had a chance? Is God just in sending them to eternal judgment? Well, Paul addresses that question in Romans chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. And in chapter 2, he addresses that question there. Paul says, every man and woman has the witness of God in two areas. This we call general revelation. He says this in verse 20. Well, let's begin in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Oh, God has made his truth plain to all men. How so? Well, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that all men are without excuse. From creation, creation every day is pointing to a creator. You cannot study the sciences and creation and not come to the conclusion there is an intelligent designer. The atheist Carl Sagan said the brain is an incredible machine the likes of which we have not been able to make. I mean, it's just a what? A little four to six pound thing up here and we have not been able to create a computer that can do what the human brain can do. It's an incredible machine. Creation every day is pointing to the Creator. Also in chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says this, Since they, the Gentiles, show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing and now even defending them. So all men have the witness of creation. Creation every day is pointing to a Creator and the witness of the conscience. Where does that sense of right and wrong come from? We all know to torture a young baby for fun is wrong. Where does that sense of right and wrong come from? We all know that rape is wrong. We all know that adultery is wrong. It's wrong in every culture. How do we know that? Did we read some kind of essay? And then someone presents some kind of powerful argument to us? No, we just know. Right? Because we have an embedded moral law in our hearts. It's called the conscience. And a moral law points to a moral lawgiver. And our conscience and creation tell us there is a God. So when men acknowledge general revelation, then God brings them special revelation. When men acknowledge, say, okay, from what I see, that's all. I believe there's an intelligent designer, and my conscience tells me there's a moral lawgiver. I want to know this God. Then God brings special revelation, the message of the gospel to that person. But we cannot compromise on the truth that God gave us. Truth must be held to and must be taught even if to believe it can be tough, even if to present it is very difficult. That's what God has called us to do. Jesus said he is the only way. There's no time to wait. If you've got friends and family that don't know Jesus Christ, time is today. 
to share the good news of Christ. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. You'll find Pat Zuckerman's interviews with leading scholars and speakers on the most crucial issues facing the church and the world. Go to evidenceandanswers.org and be equipped. And right now, there's a free offer from Evidence and Answers, Pat's teaching on the Da Vinci Code deception. The Da Vinci Code book and movie will continue to impact the world for some time. And you can expect sequels and spinoffs to continue to influence people to doubt the claims of Jesus Christ. So get Pat's teaching on this important subject for free. It's yours for the asking. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and click on Contact Pat. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. Don't forget about the free offer we have, Pat's teaching in front of a live audience on the Da Vinci Code deception. Go there now. God bless and thanks so much for listening. Evidenceandanswers.org.